Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack family. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 105. This episode is scheduled for release on January 6th, which promises to be one of the biggest days in American history, because Congress battles it out to decide if President Trump occupies the White House for another four years, or if Biden completes the theft of the presidency. But January 6th is also the Feast of the Epiphany. For those of you who don't know it, the Epiphany is the Catholic observance of the wise men arriving in Bethlehem to worship baby Jesus. Far from being about the three kings, it's really about bringing focus on the Holy Family for the first time, a truly big moment for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And the Holy Family is the perfect example of what all our family should try to be like. An unfortunate reality is that the family has been under attack for decades. But the attacks revved up in a big way during 2020, and I believe we'll see familial persecutions become worse this year. We can't expect the government to stop this, even if Trump remains president. Hell, the government's one of the biggest enemies of the family. We have to fight harder than ever to preserve our families, our domestic churches. And the greatest defender and weapon we possess is God himself in his Eucharistic form. The whole reason this apostolate exists is for you, for the sake of your souls. I not only do the Cantankerous Catholic Podcast, but I also offer a free email course through joe6packanswers.com and offer a free webinar series called Sharing the Catholic Faith. I do everything I can for the benefit of souls, reaching out to both practicing Catholics, lapsed Catholics, and non-Catholics. As Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke told me, you receive the faith freely, share it with others freely. So I work alone and I do everything I can afford to do without cost to you. Until the lockdowns, I almost always earned enough revenues to cover expenses, and that's all I've ever cared about. Since the China virus lockdowns, I've had to face some pretty tough financial realities. During the lockdowns, my revenues were decimated, and I've had to pay expenses out of my pocket. Mrs. Sixpack and I live solely on our Social Security, which is very little. Paying monthly expenses out of pocket means doing without personal necessities, but we're committed to reaching souls. So it would be a great help if you'd help us meet our expenses. Therefore, I've decided that every January, April, July, and October, I'm going to ask you to help me help souls. In my show notes in the podcast player and at cantankerouscatholic.com, you'll find a link under the resources heading that reads, Help Keep Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy Apostolate, Alive. Please click on that link to give to the apostolate, and please check the box to make it a recurring gift if you can. The gift page will say Cassock Media, LLC. And I thank you in advance for your generosity. Oh, and be assured that you'll be remembered in my daily hour of reparation and rosary.
The Holy Family is the perfect example of the domestic church. Joseph was the family's protector, provider, and leader. In a Catholic family, if the husband and father assumes his rightful God-given role, he's the family's protector, provider, and leader. Mary was the family's nurturer and the glue that held the family together by taking care of her son, her husband, and her home. In a modern Catholic family, if the wife and mother assumes her rightful God-given role, she's the family's nurturer and the glue that holds their family together by taking care of her children, her husband, and her home. Of course, Jesus was who he is, God. None of us have a child who is God, but as parents, it's our job to see to it that our children are taught to imitate Jesus as much as possible teaching them this right along with teaching them how to walk and talk. The very unfortunate reality is the vast majority of Catholic families don't even try to be a domestic church anymore. Once Satan's human forces laid the foundation for the destruction of the family, we actually became the willing tools of evil to destroy our own families. Dads abdicated their role as the family's protector, provider, and leader by just pretty much allowing their wives and children to do their own thing and not taking responsibility for anything except putting food on the table and blow money on man toys, which reduces his familial role to making one or two babies and calling it a day. Moms have abdicated their role as the family's nurturer and the glue that holds the family together by taking care of her children, her husband, and her home. Modern Catholic moms don't appear any different than other women in the world. They use artificial birth control so they can pursue careers and enjoy their jewelry, pretty clothes, iPhones, independence from their husbands, and actually doing no more than the minimum to care for their husbands, children, and home. Why in the hell do you think the Catholic divorce rate is as high as everyone else's in the world? If we don't nurture the domestic church as it's intended, how can we expect to be anything other than selfish and narcissistic in the way we live? We've been destroying and will continue to destroy our families until we take a stand and say, that's enough. And we've got to do this by changing all our attitudes and utilizing our greatest, most perfect weapon, the Eucharist. There's a problem there we have to overcome first. One of the biggest casualties of 2020 was mass attendance. Most Catholics haven't realized for decades that Sunday mass attendance is obligatory under pain of mortal sin. Add to that the fact that masses were televised and live-streamed over the internet, then Catholics suddenly discovered that they could stay home in their pajamas and watch mass while eating breakfast. That Catholics could reach this point comes from a group of Marxist bishops watering down the faith until it's no different than Protestantism, going out of their way to make Catholicism irrelevant, and telling their flocks they're all going to heaven anyway. In actuality, what these evil men have done is they've helped to condemn the majority of their laity to hell for all eternity. If Catholics knew the origins of the Mass, as the six-pack family knows because I've taught you in previous episodes, they'd never miss a single Sunday. Because Catholics see no relevance to the Mass, according to several polls, 74% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist. That's why I've spent so much time teaching about it in previous episodes as well. 
And our belief in and promotion of the Eucharist is how we can and will turn things around in the Catholic Church and our nation. I'm just a teacher of the faith. I can't do any more than what I do. But when God does something like re-educate the world on the Eucharist, he does it in a really grand way. And one such grand display by God began last October. There was a beatification of a boy named Carlo Acutus. Carlo was only 15 years old when he died in 2006. He's best known for one quote, To always be close to Jesus, that's my life's plan. Carlo was what most of us would call a computer geek. He spent all of his time learning and using computer programming languages, but what he used his skills for is what made him a remarkable Catholic boy. Carlo Acutus was born in London on May 3, 1991, to a wealthy Italian family with Irish and Polish roots. His parents, who were not especially religious, had worked in London and Germany, but finally settled in Milan in 1991, not long after Carlo's birth. In 1995, when Carlos was four years old, his maternal grandmother died and was said to have appeared to him in a dream asking to be prayed for. When the child evinced a precocious interest in religious practice, his questions were answered by the family's Polish babysitter. Three years later, he requested to receive his First Holy Communion at the unusually early age for Italy of seven. Thereafter, he made the effort, either before or after Mass, to reflect on the tabernacle. Carlo became a frequent communicant and would make weekly confession. He's said to have had several models as guides for his life, especially St. Francis of Assisi, as well as Saints Francesco and Jacinta Marto, two of the children visionaries at Fatima, St. Dominic Savio, St. Tarsisius, and Bernadette Subiru of Lourdes. They happen to be among my favorites, too. He was educated at a Jesuit high school in Milan. On the social side, Carlo would worry about his friends whose parents were divorcing and would invite them to his home to support them. He defended disabled peers at school when bullies mocked them. Outside school, he did voluntary work with the homeless and destitute. He also liked films, comic editing, and playing PlayStation. He was just an ordinary boy. Those around him considered him a computer geek on account of his passion and skill with computers and the Internet. Carlo applied himself to creating a website dedicated to cataloging each reported Eucharistic miracle in the world. He completed this in 2005, having started compiling the catalog at the age of 11. He admired the use of the media to evangelize and proclaim the gospel and aimed to do so with the website he had created. It was on the website that he said, The more Eucharist we receive, the more we will become like Jesus, so that on earth we will have a foretaste of heaven. When he developed leukemia, he offered his suffering for Pope Benedict XVI and the Catholic Church, saying, I offer all the suffering I will have to undergo for the Lord, for the Pope, and for the Church. He had asked his parents to take him on pilgrimages to sites of all the known Eucharistic miracles in the world, but his declining health prevented this from happening. The doctors treating his final illness had asked him if he was in great pain. 
He responded that there are people who suffer much more than me. He died on October 12, 2006 from his leukemia. In memory of Carlo, two bishops have helped to organize a traveling portfolio exhibition of all the Eucharistic miracle sites. It has traveled to dozens of different countries across five continents. Carlo's beatification and subsequent events have set the stage to start a great revival of belief in and devotion to the Most Holy Eucharist. The apparent next phase in God's great Eucharistic revival plan is a full-length motion picture. Unlike the low-budget movies we're accustomed to seeing for films of this genre, this film is being produced by three Oscar-winning men. They're bringing in teams from the Disney Studios and Lucas Films. The name of the movie is simply Eucharistic Miracles. Angelo Libuddy, a storyboard artist and member of several Oscar-winning teams, explained to Church Militant, First, we need many prayers and fasting because definitely Christ's enemy is trying to obstruct this project big time. This is a chance for all of us to give glory to God in a movie that can be our love letter of thanks for what Jesus did for us by becoming a man and by taking our sins upon himself, he said. As a great theologian beautifully said, Christ paid a debt he didn't own because we had a debt we couldn't pay, Labuti added. Labuti said, the budget we put together is super tight. None of us gets paid. I'm working 24-7 wearing many hats to keep costs low, and we can't expect everyone to love the Eucharist as we do. Fortunately, a few theologians approach us with the same love and zeal. But for making this movie good, we need all the help from our Christian Catholic brothers and sisters who share this love and zeal for the biggest gift Christ gave us, himself in the Holy Eucharist. The team spearheading this film are dedicated Catholics who love the Eucharist. They're not just going to tell about the Eucharistic miracles around the world, miracles most Catholics have never heard of anyway, but they're bringing in the testimony of doctors and scientists who've actually examined these miraculous Eucharistic events. They're going to use science to prove that the Catholic belief in the real presence is a scientific fact. They're also going to have the film translated in 12 different languages so they can show it around the world. Their goal is to have it released in American movie theaters in June of this year. Naturally, there's no money for this movie from the usual Hollywood sources. The entire film is being financed with the nickels, dimes, quarters, and dollars of ordinary Catholics like you and me. I placed three links in my show notes for you to learn more about this film and Blessed Carlos Actuus. The first link is a four-minute video explaining the film. The second link is a page where you can help the filmmakers finance this holy and gargantuan effort. At this recording, they still need $98,566. All things considered, that's not much. As you know, January is one of the months when I have to get on my knees and beg you to help me keep this apostolate in the business of reaching souls. Well, the cantankerous Catholic isn't nearly as important as this film. I'd rather see the entire Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy apostolate go down in flames than to know that a dollar you gave me could have finished making this film a reality. 
If you've listened to me or dealt with me for any length of time, then you know that I'm as serious as a heart attack about this. I believe this film is that important to the future of the Catholic Church and sold. The third link I've placed in my show notes is the official website of the Association and the Cause of Canonization of Blessed Carlo Actuus. By the way, since his beatification in October, Carlo has become one of my favorite saints. The Holy Eucharist is the very heart and soul of our Catholic faith. Frankly, without the Eucharist, Christianity makes absolutely no sense. If you do a study of the various Protestant faiths, as well as Catholicism without the Eucharist, you'll come to the conclusion that I'm right about this. As I said at the beginning of this episode, the Eucharist is the single greatest weapon we have to fight for change. However, let me make one thing perfectly clear. I don't believe for a second that promoting the Eucharist will save the world. Society has delved too deeply into the pits of depravity to save us from God's justice. I believe God is offering us one last chance to save souls. Every single member of the six-pack family has at least one family member or friend in danger of losing his or her soul to an eternity of misery in hell. Getting those people to see this film, then urging them to listen to the cantankerous Catholic, may very well be the final opportunity they have. Have the courage to stand up and fight for them. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts, and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. 
A group of legal scholars is suggesting that President Trump should issue an executive order recognizing unborn babies as persons who are entitled to due process and equal protection of the laws under the 14th Amendment. The plan would reclaim the executive's independent role of interpreting the Constitution, these pro-life scholars stated. Amazing! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number four. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. The Diocese of Tulsa has withdrawn from the Oklahoma Council of Churches because the coalition refused to defend the lives of unborn children. I believe that a Christian group that wants to publish moral statements but cannot agree that abortion is a grave evil should continue without the Catholic Diocese as a co-signer of its statements, stated Bishop David Condrilla. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number 3. Hats off to Dallas News. A federal appeals court ruled that Texas and Louisiana can cut off funding to Planned Parenthood clinics, reversing earlier decisions stemming from legal battles over abortion. Yee-haw! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to the Hill. A new Harvard Caps-Harris poll found that 56% of voters want Republicans to maintain control of the Senate this year after the Georgia runoff races, with 44% wanting Democrats to take control of the Senate. As of now, the voters want divided government, and their votes for the Senate and House indicate that as well, said Harvard Caps-Harris polling director Mark Penn. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number one. Hats off to the Associated Press. California Senator Dianne Feinstein, Frankenstein, Feinstein, however you want to say it, said she will step down from her role as the top Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, giving up the powerful spot after public criticism of her bipartisan outreach and her handling of Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearings. That's what I'm talking about! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. A Polish noblewoman, Catherine, was the wife of Prince John Waza of Sweden. Prince John was imprisoned for life by his brother, King Eric. Catherine hurried to Stockholm immediately upon hearing of her husband's imprisonment. Your Highness put me in prison with my husband, she pleaded. The king replied, but don't you know your husband will never see daylight again? 
I know your highness, but whether he's innocent or guilty, John Waza will forever be my husband. The king looked on her with pity. It seems to me, dear lady, that from the moment your husband began his deserved sentence, your obligations to him ended. Catherine took the ring from her finger, handing it to the king. Would your highness please read the inscription? The king read, Mors Sola, which means death alone. Catherine spent 17 years in prison with her husband until the death of King Eric, which is when she and the prince were set free. We live in a disposable culture where marriage is considered just as disposable as the wrapper on your fast food burger. 50% of all marriages end in a divorce, and there are a number of contributing factors for the failure of these marriages. Not least among those factors is the culture of me. We've become a very selfish, self-centered people. Sure, we're all about other people, especially our family, as long as the things they need or want don't conflict with what we want or what we perceive we need. The problem comes when the needs of our spouse conflict with what we want. Princess Catherine obviously had a good and healthy view of the selfless love needed in marriage, and that can come only through the sacramental graces of holy matrimony the sacrament instituted by Christ which unites for life a baptized man and a baptized woman for the purpose of fulfilling their lawful responsibilities to God. God instituted matrimony in the Garden of Eden when he created Adam and Eve. Before the coming of Christ, matrimony was a sacred contract, but not a sacrament. Jesus raised matrimony to the level of a sacrament. Jesus taught the indissolubility of marriage in Matthew 19.6, and this requires supernatural help or grace. By the way, thanks to the indissoluble bond of marriage, being married is the longest job I've ever had. Probably you too. St. Paul compares Christian marriage to the permanent union between Christ and his church in Ephesians 5:22 and 23 and stresses its importance, reinforcing the sacramental character of matrimony. Also, the early Christian writers refer to Christian marriage as something supernatural, which confers grace upon those who receive it. At the marriage feast at Cana, Christ worked his first public miracle on behalf of the married couple, thus manifesting the holiness of the married state. In the marriage covenant, God has made a natural relation a means of grace for Christians. People lose sight of what marriage is for, what it's all about. True marriage has a twofold purpose, unity and procreation. By unity, we mean that the bond of the sacrament of matrimony lasts until death, and that the man and woman are to live together as one. By procreation, we mean the begetting and rearing of children in the fear and love of the Lord. In short, the twofold purpose of marriage is the giving of love and the giving of life. Yet there's another dimension to Christian marriage. As a natural extension of the giving of love, God gives the spouses all the graces necessary to help one another grow in holiness, thus obeying Christ's command for us to become holy. Just as children produced in the matrimonial bond are a manifestation of marital love, so too is the positive response to God's graces by parents to help their children become holy, a manifestation of that love. Matrimony is the most unique of all the seven sacraments in the sense of administration. 
In six of the sacraments, the minister is a third party, that is, a bishop, priest, or deacon. In matrimony, however, the ministers of the sacrament are the bride and groom themselves. Each confers the sacrament on the other in the presence of witnessing priest or deacon. The topic of matrimony can easily fill a book. In fact, there are a number of very good Catholic books available on theology surrounding marriage, so there's no way we can even begin to cover anything beyond the bare bones of the sacrament here. There are just two other things I want to touch on. It must be understood that no one can validly enter into marriage with the intention of not having children, because procreation is one of the primary purposes of marriage as given by God. This doesn't mean couples are obliged to have as many children as possible, but it does mean they're to act in a responsible manner in bringing children into the world and rearing them well. Included in this responsibility is the recognition that the procreation of children is one of the fundamental purposes of marriage. This means that abortion and artificial birth control are forbidden by God and His Church. The use of artificial contraception goes back to the culture of me. We'll cover this topic extensively in numerous Catholic boot camps in the future, but for now I'd like to point out that we may never avoid having children for selfish motives. For example, you may have a choice between having a baby or getting a new truck. Guess which one wins? You may have a choice between a new house and a nicer neighborhood and having another baby. Guess which one wins again? There are several very sure means of natural family planning that are endorsed by the church, provided they're used for the right reasons. Yes, we'll be talking about them over time. Note well, by the way, I'm of the personal opinion that pro-life Catholics who use contraceptives are living a life of hypocrisy, since all artificial contraceptives are proven to be abortifacients. The last thing I want to comment on is something that's very much in the news today. The homosexual lobby has been successfully pushing the false idea that homosexual couples can be married. Is it possible for a dog to become a cat? No, it's simply unnatural. If you saw a dog acting like a cat, you'd see it as a disordered aberration, and you'd be right. It's likewise a disordered aberration for two people of the same sex to be married, just as it's disordered for two people of the same sex to think it's okay to have a conjugal relationship. I can and do empathize with people who suffer from the disorder of same-sex attraction. I've worked with several over the years who eventually converted to Catholicism and lived chastely. But the point is, the same-sex marriage movement threatens mankind's very existence on earth today. Read the 19th chapter of Genesis to see why. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a wholly orthodox apostolate. 
Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows, and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom has gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Francis de Sales. He said, The greatest method of praying is to pray the rosary. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. St. Catherine of Siena once saw a vision of a soul in a state of grace. It was so beautiful and shined so brightly that she couldn't even look at it very long. She cried out, if I didn't know there was only one God, I'd think this was another God. When she told her confessor about the vision, he asked her to describe it. The only thing she could say was, There's nothing in this world that can give you the smallest idea of what I've seen. If you could only see a soul in a state of grace, you'd sacrifice your life a hundred times for its salvation. After her vision, St. Catherine asked the angel who was with her what made that soul so beautiful. He answered, It's the image and likeness of God dwelling in the soul by sanctifying grace that makes the soul so beautiful. Sanctifying grace makes your soul holy and pleasing to God because God gives you his own divine life and those virtues that make you more pleasing to him. They're the virtues that you see in Jesus in his life on earth. By sanctifying grace, God gives you some of his own beauty and goodness. That's the reason why you should always remain in a state of grace. Every Catholic needs to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic because this show will help you to learn to navigate through these tumultuous times as well as learn, understand, and live our Catholic faith better. You can help other Catholics find the Cantankerous Catholic much easier by leaving a review of this show at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show the Cantankerous Catholic more often. 
and I thank you in advance for leaving. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.